and we'll turn it over to uh, Pastor Brandon. So do me a favor and look at your neighbor. And uh, when you look at your neighbor, I would like you to say, we cannot grow without tension. <laughs> All right, look, come on, do it. Uh, a couple of kids up here aren't doing it. <clears throat> All right. So we can't, so I'm going to try to make it as awkward as possible this morning and cause everyone tension. Um, later on, we're actually going to be looking at areas of tension that are within uh, the society, within close relationships, and within the body of Christ itself. And so the reason that we are doing a series around the Church of Antioch is because uh, this past year at PFC, Netzer came in and did a spiritual discernment uh, with, a, with, the P with PFC. And one of their main points was God is calling you to be a church like Antioch. And then everything else that was in that discernment from Netzer kind of goes back to this. And so that's why we're taking a look at the church of Antioch. And this morning, we're actually going to look at, um, they didn't agree on everything. They didn't agree on everything. So we're going to look at what it actually looks like to embrace tension, to deal with tension. All right. So because we're talking about this, I think we should probably pray first. How about that? All right, let's pray together. Father, uh, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you, God, for um, moving us in a direction where we, we have to embrace tension. Thank you for the example of the church of Antioch, the, um, the people in Scripture who embrace tension. Thank you, Lord, for what you are doing and the way that you're moving in each one of our lives. And we ask that we would honor you with what we do and say this morning. Holy Spirit, we invite you to do what you do. If we need to be comforted, comfort us. If we need to be convicted, convict us. If we, Lord, need to repent, fill us with courage to repent. We stand, we sit, we are with you in this moment, asking for you to move in a mighty way. May we not hinder the spirit in any way this morning. In Jesus' name, Jesus' name. All right, so we're going to start, and we're actually going to start a little way back uh, in the book of Acts this morning, because we are looking at tension. Uh, where, where did tension, one of the, the, the moments of tension happen in church history? All right, we're going to look at Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. Uh, this is the backstory, and uh, of, it's right after Stephen was stoned. And it says this, Paul, one of the witnesses, and he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. A great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem and all the believers, except the apostles, were scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. Some devout men came and buried Stephen with great mourning. But Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. He went from house to house, dragging both men and women to throw them into prison. But the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. There was a mandate that, that Jesus talked about at the beginning of Acts. And that mandate was to tell my story, Jerusalem, Judea, 
Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And yet we find ourselves in Acts chapter 8, a number of years since that mandate was said by Jesus, and had they gone out? No. So they had not gone out yet, and yet we find that Christians, at this moment of persecution, where Saul was, was a part of that, we're going to hear about him uh, throughout the, this series, there was a moment where persecution happened, and what did God use? He used the tension in the Christians' lives to actually have them obey. They actually then went and obeyed the mandate that God had asked them to do. So I want to point that out to everyone here this morning. You may have tension in your life, and that's okay. But how about we recognize maybe this tension in my life that I am feeling, seeing, receiving, whatever it is, maybe that is so that I will obey. God's actually asked me to do something, and I have yet to do it. So when we recognize that there might be tension or disagreement, maybe it's because we haven't obeyed fully yet. Maybe we've partially obeyed. Maybe we sold all our possessions and we've come together and we've created this great community and yet we haven't gone out. Maybe we've partially obeyed. All right? So I want us to recognize that that could be um, something that's happening in our, in, our, in our life. So now we're going to fast forward um, anywhere between five and ten years. I lean towards uh, ten years because N.T. Wright says ten years and he's a lot smarter than I am. So we're going to fast forward to uh, Acts chapter 11. Um, the, again, this is the same church that we talked about last week, where Dave talked about their special sauce. Does anybody remember their special sauce? Was, what was their, or secret sauce, you said, not special sauce. Secret sauce. Does anybody remember their secret sauce? Prayer, worship, fasting. Prayer, worship, and, and fasting. All right, so this is... Uh, the same, the same church. Meanwhile, the believers who had been scattered during the persecution of Stephen after Stephen's death traveled as far as, uh, oh man, I am going to struggle with these names. I'm just saying that right now. Uh, anybody want to help me with that? There we go. Uh, Cyprus, Antioch of Syria. All right. What? Meanwhile, so this is a decade-ish. Meanwhile, so the gospel has been spreading. The good news of who Jesus was had been moving, all right? And so the believers that were scattered, were it the, was it the apostles that scattered? No, it was the believers that scattered. So the believers are scattering. They preach the good word of God, but only to Jews. However, some of the believers who went to Antioch from Cyprus and Cyrene began preaching to the Gentiles about the Lord Jesus. The power of the Lord was with them, and a large number of these Gentiles believed the Lord. So we see that cultures are colliding. Who are they, who are they only teaching to? What does it say? The Jews. However, there's a, some, some rogue people out there, right? Ah, my neighbor's Gentile. I should probably tell him. Ah, should I, should I not tell him? Should I tell him? But what we saw is the Gentiles heard the good news of Jesus Christ and their life was changed forever. So we have two major cultures colliding. So back in this time period, there are a couple defining things that caused a lot of tension in this world. One, 
was slave and free. Defining slave and free, all right? The other one um, was male and female. A lot of tension. For the Jews, guess what their highest one was? Gentiles. Can't be around the Gentiles. Can't be, can't do things with them, can't act like them, can't be around them. All right, so this was a major, major tension was coming in and cultures were colliding because the good news, the power of God doesn't stop with one people group. The power of God moves. The spirit moves wherever he wants, whenever he wants, however he wants. And God cared enough about the Gentiles that he was like, no, 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 no. Hey, you, tell your neighbor, tell your neighbor. So what are some of the differences between Jew and Gentile? All right, this is some of the, the reason for the tension from a, the Jewish side. First thing is sacrifices, right? The Jews were very specific on how they wanted to sacrifice. What they believed God's word said. The Gentiles sacrificed differently, right? Why? Because their idols were everywhere, all across the city. Um, their, their gods were spread out and there were multiple different ways to sacrifice. Whereas the Jews had a rhythm of sacrifice and very specific ways. It was a little more scattered when it came to the idols and places of worship for Gentiles. Day of rest. Gentiles judged the Jews heavily on this. They're like, they're just lazy. The day of rest isn't actually um, good. They were like, they're just lazy. And yet, why did God institute a day of rest for healthy rhythms? For actually, uh, a day of rest was a prophetic stance in saying, I will Sabbath and tend to the presence of God. Right? This is why God instituted that. And yet the Gentiles are like, nope, they're just lazy. They just want to have a day off and do nothing. Circumcision. This is a fun one. Hopefully I never have to do a whole preaching uh, sermon on circumcision. But at this time, right, Antioch was this big city. They would have had a gymnasium. This would have been a clear um, differentiating physical part for the men who are working out because they didn't wear their tunics. I don't need to go any farther, right? It would have been a visual sign saying these are Jews, these are Gentiles. What foods they could eat or couldn't eat. Um, the way they treated women and slaves. And finally, body purification. That's a lot of differences in a culture, isn't it? And yet Antioch, we see this is where a whole bunch of cultures are colliding. The spirit of God is falling on this place. And yet we see that the Gentiles are coming to know the Lord and the Jews are like, oh boy. Should I really care about is this a really a real thing that the Gentiles are, are, are going to be a part of, of this body? And yet we see that the Spirit of God is moving in Antioch. And part of that is because they were willing to embrace the tension of being okay with people who are different. Now, was it squeaky clean? No. Are any of our relationships squeaky clean? No. No. All right. 
with all the tension that was emerging between the cultures, this guy shows up. His name's Barnabas. Barnabas shows up. And Barnabas is here at Antioch, and he remembers this guy who used to persecute Christians. He was hanging up in Tarsus. And so this guy, Barnabas, what does he do? He's like, you know what would be helpful for this conversation? For this, for, for this church? I think I should go get Paul. So Barnabas goes up to Tarsus, uh, brings Paul down. Paul and Barnabas are there for an entire year teaching, discipling, loving. The interesting thing is that Paul and Barnabas were teaching only to the Jews. But some of the unnamed believers began teaching to the Gentiles. It's interesting to think about because um, when, I, when I think of Paul, and many of us think of Paul, we think like Superman in the faith, preacher to the Gentiles. Paul would not be Paul if it weren't for Antioch. Paul went and taught to the Jews, absolutely. But what he experienced in Antioch changed his course forever. He saw Gentiles coming to know the Lord. We'll see later on in the book of Acts and later on, uh, maybe next week, how Paul and Barnabas are sent back to Jerusalem because the Spirit of God has fallen on Gentiles. So I want us to, to, to recognize this moment for a minute. Paul gets a lot of credit. And he should... But his community named him, his community sent him, and his community shaped him. How are we shaping one another? How are we pushing one another towards our identity and calling from the Lord? Because Paul would not be Paul without Antioch. Let's look at Acts 15. But Paul and Barnabas remained at Antioch and uh, taught and preached the word of the Lord. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit the believers in the towns we preached and the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with him. But Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them and Pamethia and had not continued with them in their work. There's such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left. Commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord, he went through Syrah and Cilicia, um, strengthening the churches. So we see these guys, they were sent out from Antioch. Why? Because the believers were worshiping, fasting, and praying, and they sent them. We saw that last week in Acts 13. And so there comes this moment where there's a disagreement. There's a di di disagreement. This is a number um, a little bit later on in Acts. There's this di disagreement. So Paul and, and Barnabas, or Barnabas get in a disagreement. It's not doctrinal. 
What is it? It's relational. The issue that they split over is over an image bearer. Look to your neighbors, right? We're image bearers. Paul and Silas, or sorry, Paul and Silas go one way, Barnabas and John Mark go another way, and it's over a relationship. So there's tension. There's tension in, in this relationship. But Paul and Barnabas did some things, and they did it well, even in disagreement. Okay, we're going to look at what they did well in disagreement. And I, I will say this, like when I read this passage, I'm like, I'm the guy that's like, oh yeah, Paul was right. Yeah, you leave a trip, oh man, you know? And uh, some of you guys know Carl. Carl was totally a Barnabas. And I worked with Carl for 12 years. He'd be like, no, 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 Brandon, we got to bring this guy along. I'd be like, no, Carl, he didn't do what I wanted him to do. He's not trustworthy anymore. I'm moving on. And Carl would be like, no, 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 we're bringing him along. He's a part of us, right? So I don't know who you relate to. I definitely relate to Paul because I think I'm always right. All right. <clears throat> so our... our our truth for this morning, I want us to recognize our truth for this morning, that even when we are walking in our giftings and callings, both Paul and Barnabas, that's what they're walking in, right? They're gifting and they're calling. We will still have points of tension with others who are also walking in their gifting and calling. This isn't a disagreement over sin. This isn't a disagreement over a, you know, central doctrinal issue. This is a disagreement on a relationship. So even when we are walking in the authority, the identity, the calling that God has given us, we're going to rub people the wrong way. We're going to rub people the wrong way. So how did Paul and Barnabas honor the Lord through this disagreement? How can we model this when we are faced with tension and disagreement in our lives? So what did Paul and Barnabas do? All right, first thing, they kept the, the disagreement between the two of them. They didn't stir up dissension, which is one of the things the Lord hates. That's in uh, Proverbs 6, right? The Lord hates dissension. They didn't cause up dissension. Their disagreement didn't separate other members of the church trying to pull people on teams. They dealt with it face to face and came up with a resolution. Right? Jesus has us walk through this. This is what he calls us to in Matthew 18. Go when you are offended or you're hurt and speak to this person. Now, this is not a blanket statement. I want to make this disclaimer because I've heard it um, used against people. If you have been offended against in a traumatic way, please don't go to the offender by yourself. That is not a safe place. Don't use Matthew 18 as a weapon, right? This is actually a, a thing that's supposed to bind the body of Christ together. So face-to-face, -face, go face-to-face. -face. I heard a quote a couple weeks ago. Um, I'm not going to say it perfectly, but you'll get the gist. I, I saw like a little, um, you know how they do like talking things on in Instagram or Facebook? What are they called? Me 
Uh, I don't even know what they're called. Anyway, it was uh, Jeremiah Johnson was talking about um, the word processing and how Christians, we use this word processing often, especially when we're talking about someone else. And Jeremiah Johnson says, what we call processing most of the time is categorized by the Lord of gossip and slander. Because we're not going to the person first. All right? So this is what Paul and Barnabas did. They talked about it. They came to a resolution. And the resolution served to further the kingdom of God. So yes, Paul and Barnabas could have went back to every place. But over this, they, they split into two groups and they do the same thing. The kingdom of God, even though it seemed like division, was actually multiplication. How many times are we in a disagreement with somebody, either relationally or online or through email, where our goal is to further the kingdom of God? You see, I think that we would take a different stance. I think that we would actually try to seek a different outcome if we thought like Paul and Barnabas and we're like, all right, this isn't going to distract us from who God has called us to be. We can't agree now, but let's continue to further the kingdom of God. So I want us to think about that. Are we a people when we disagree with someone that our outcome is, how can I bless them? How can I think about the kingdom of God? Or are we a people that say, you know what? I just need to be right. My way is right. So let's look at some specific ways that uh, tension comes up between um, spouses, close relationships, things like that. All right? I just want to name these out loud so that they're not like an elephant in the room. They're actually things that we deal with. Um, in our close relationships. Different views on money. This is number one um, place where most marriages argue. Right? How do we deal with money? Finance. So I remember, and I'm going to totally throw my, my uh, dad under the bus kind of here, but growing up, um, my parents like hardly ever argued. Um, but I remember one time... Um, my dad did like a funeral or a wedding. I can't remember specifically what it was. And he gave his entire check to somebody. And my mom's like, Gil, um, we need to feed our family. And he was like, oh, man, God will provide. You know, my dad's like total faith, total chill. God's going to provide. And, and my mom goes, he just did. <laughs> you know? So, <laughs> like we... I mean, that's funny, but um, we can get in some heated things over money. So this is a present reality for many of us in our close relationships. All right, different opinions on how to lead, whether it's, a, whether it's your kids or lead a group or a small group or lead. Like, we have different opinions on just leadership, right? Lifestyle choices. How many of us are quick to judge somebody else in their lifestyle choice, right? We're, that's a tension in our life. Some of it might be right, some of it might be wrong, and we have to live in that tension. But this is, a, this is a place of tension in our lives. Parenting style. So if you're a parent in here, I don't know about you, 
uh, husband and wife, but this is the thing my wife and I fight about the most, and I'm always wrong. So it, uh, I've learned that my parenting style is not as good. All right. But right, this is something, this is a present reality for us. I mean, some of you are at the point is like, how do we, you know, love our grandkids and spoil them or not spoil them? How do we keep generational blessing going? Right? Like this is, this is tension that's in close relationships. All right. Some tensions that are present within the church. All right, worship style preferences, right? We've all heard this. I mean, when I was growing up, um, it was like called worship war. Did you ever hear that? Like people, like it was the worship war. Do we do this? Do we do that? And the like churches were warring within themselves against one another. We don't have that here because we're perfect. All right. Uh, End times, right? Pre-mill, post-mill, rapture, end times. It's a big disagreement all across uh, the board. Uh, DJ taught on it. Uh, last time, uh, or a few weeks ago, um, basically, what's the Lord say? He's coming back. All right, that's where, that's where I stand. Free will or election, right? Do we have the will to choose or are we elected, right? This is a debate within the church. Homosexuality, a de- debate within the, the body of Christ. Women in ministry, again, a debate. Politics, this isn't really a debate, so, uh, no, I'm just kidding. Like... <laughs> Pretty, pretty hot topic, I, I, I hear. I don't know. But, like, these are, that's a present reality of, like, what's happening even here at PFC. I mean, I should go back. Oh, I can. I guarantee that most of us in here don't agree on the importance of those. Right? Like, maybe I view women in ministry, that's the most important thing. Uh, end time stuff, I could care less about. Politics are in the middle, right? We don't even agree in here on the importance of which one goes in place. This is why tension is okay, and we cannot grow without tension. Oh, wait, I got one more. I got to tell you this. So, uh, in, in prepping for this, I was just like, I want to I read some, some realistic things that churches either split or had like major arguments over, all right? So there was a guy who was collecting, he collected like 300 different scenarios. And one of them was a debate for 45 minutes in a deacon meeting on whether deviled eggs would be allowed at the church potluck. (laughs) I'm, I'm not kidding, 45 minutes. They came to a resolution and their resolution was only if angel food cake was served as dessert. <laughs> we laugh, but that was a real situation that happened, right? <laughs> uh. So some of the tension in our world, some of these will be the same, right? We have racism, wokeism, right? We have gentrification or gentrification. Like these are, we have the, you know, white privilege and the BLM movement. Like this is real tension in our world today. How do we navigate that? How do we navigate that? Economic disparity, classism. How do we navigate um, living in a country where the rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poorer? The, the, The gap in the middle class is kind of going away. What do we do with that? How do we live in that tension? 
No, gender. Are you born with it or is it a choice? A big tension. Again, politics, so I've heard. A uh, big tension. Oh, uh, Philadelphia. <laughs> I don't know how that got in there. That was, that was a mistake, not really. <laughs> you can see where, see where I stand, all right? If you disagree with me, um, your, your band will church discipline you. Um, no. But, like, these are, these are real tensions in, in our world today. And tension is okay. It's not easy, but it's okay. Because when we're having these harder conversations and when we're seeing people as image bearers, we actually grow in who God's created us to be. Remember, there was a huge divide between Jew and Gentile at this time. Paul began just teaching to the Jews, but the Christians around him shaped who he became because they were like, look at the power of God that's moving amongst the Gentiles. We are a people who will eagerly embrace tension because it will help us grow. So to close out, um, we have a saying in our house um, because I don't know about you, but uh, my home, we, we struggle with being judgmental towards people. I know you guys are probably better than me um, and your kids are probably better than my kids, but like we struggle with like judging. And so, but one of the values in the Vining House is to be empathetic. And uh, that's, that's a value that we have. So like empathy, seeing and feeling, you know, the other person's point of view. Do I have this up here? No. Okay. So um, to help remind our kiddos, my wife created a little cute rhyme that I would like you to listen to because I'm actually going to make you say it out loud. I should have had it on the screen. But if we are to be a people who embrace tension, we have to be empathetic to try to see the other person's perspective. We have to be a people who may disagree, but go to the person and work it out and have a resolution, right? And actually care about the kingdom of God being moved forward, not about whether I'm right or I'm wrong. And so here's the little saying, instead of uh, deciding who's wrong or who's right, Listen, ask questions, and feel what it's like. Instead of deciding who's wrong and who's right, listen, ask questions, and feel what it's like. All right, you're going to say it with me. So I'm going to do a first part, and then you're going to repeat it, okay? And then I'll do the second part, and you repeat it. Does that make sense? All right. Uh. Instead of deciding who's wrong and who's right, listen, ask question, and feel what it's like. This is who we are to be. We might not agree 100% on everything, but we are to be able to sit in the tension and try to understand where somebody across the seat is. We cannot grow without tension. We can't. We must be a people who embrace tension. Let's pray.
Father, we, we are grateful for your word. Thank you for the example of Paul and Barnabas. Thank you for their identity and their call on their life and the way that they lived out what you have called them to be. Thank you for their example this morning on how they had a, a disagreement, not even over something major, like a doctrinal issue, but a relational issue. Thank you that they, they worked it out. Thank you that in their mind, they're like, listen, this is our mission. We want to see the kingdom of God come here to earth. This is not going to stop us. We're, we still care and we'll move forward. And Lord, for the present realities in our life, the tensions that we, that we live in, I ask that we would be a people who embrace that so that we grow, so the kingdom of God is expanded. Lord, we bless you and uh, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for who you are. We thank you that even this morning, if, if we're feeling tension with a friend or a neighbor, there can be resolution because of Jesus. May we lead well in embracing tension. In Jesus' name.